Welcome to The Edit. This is a weekly look at um, basically everything that crosses the Esquire Middle East radar. Um, it's nice to uh, to be here, uh, I can say personally, but I'm also even better to be joined by my fellow Esquireans. Is that a word? Yeah, um, it is now. That's uh, Nasri and Alex, or do you prefer Alexander? I prefer Alex for sure. Sure, Feels too formal to say, Alexander. Is this not a formal <laughs> setup? Yeah, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Uh, yeah. So, welcome to the show. Um, this is a uh, kind of a new launch podcast that um, that we're rolling out, um, uh, where you can kind of tune in and um, get our insight into the kind of views uh, and situations that are affecting all lives of men's luxury in the Middle East region. Um, how are you guys doing? Good. Do people tune into podcasts? Download. Yeah, <laughs> I think it has to be tune in. Like they don't. The yeah. old vernacular. <laughs> there you yeah. Go. Tune in. Well, you can tune in Keeping or download it, it or subscribe to it or stream it or whatever you want to do, <laughs> and uh, on whatever platform you're on, welcome. Um, so I think the first segment we're going to introduce is um, something I like to call news, views, and shoes. Nice. Yeah, I mean the shoes probably doesn't necessarily work in an audio function. But trust me, we are all wearing shoes. We've got great um, shoes. Well, it's basically uh, a look at kind of a news roundup of things that we are particularly finding of interest on our editorial floor. Um, so, guys, who's uh, what's been crossing your uh, inboxes this week? A lot of stuff. I, my inbo- I hate my inbox at this point. There's way too much stuff in my inbox. I don't know. The first thing I thought of was the Queen's funeral in the UK. I've obviously just moved uh, to Dubai from the UK, and it was a bit weird to like experience it. Uh, from abroad, I think it would have been a very different experience to be in the UK. Yeah, what? So you were you've been in the country now for about what, month a month and a half. Yeah, a month and a half now. Month and a half. So yeah. I assume the the experience is basically it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, I mean everything went downhill right since I've uh, left the UK. No, but I mean it's um, it's one of those things. I think you feel like doubly or triply like if you're in the country and it's just a bit weird and anachronistic if you're outside the country. Mm. And I think the thing that got to me, which I think some people thought was weird, was that the only moment I felt like very emotional was when I saw the corgis. Because she arrived, I think it was at Windsor, and the corgis were just waiting there for her and her horse, Emma. And I, I just, it just kills me. Sorry, like, sorry. You know the horse's name. I know the horse's name. That's yes. amazing. I, I watched some coverage. Uh, yeah, just like when I see pets who've lost their owner, it just like breaks my heart. So that's my, my takeaway from this like huge historic occasion is uh, the corgis waiting on the lawn. What but are you yeah. talking about the people having the watch parties and stuff that for watching the Queen's funeral procession? Yeah, there was, uh, you know, I, I found it really weird that like, I had friends, including my wife, was like, oh, I've got some friends over, we're going to watch it. And I'm like, this is, is this what people do with funerals? Is this, you know? Yeah, I think it was beautiful to see the kind of the outpouring of it, especially even in the expat communities that they had over here. Um, I know the the, the QE2, the, the, the boat slash mm. hotel now, um, <laughs> just off in moored here in Dubai. They were having, you know, um, I suppose an area where you could go and kind of give your respects. And, and uh, it was almost like um, it was it was our version of queuing up to see the, the coffin. Yeah. In, um, and that's, that's interesting because... Uh, my dad was a musician on the QE2 um, mm. in the late 70s, and so I heard, I've heard so many stories about it, you know, about his you know, adventures out there. But, uh, and I personally didn't get to go on the QE2 and see it as a hotel, but it's interesting that it's been, you know, redone for that. Well, you know what we're sending you to do next I week, was going to say, 100% yeah. you're going to the yeah. QE2. Do you <laughs> play any music? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can... Be, do, can do you play an instrument? Yeah, yeah, I play guitar, and... Uh, 
Yeah, so it'd be quite cool to go on there as a musician myself after Dad went on there. Yeah. So you may uh, have noticed if you're uh, listening uh, into this uh, podcast, there, there was no uh, introduction sting. Now, we might put one in in post, but yeah. now we are definitely putting Alex playing guitar. On, uh, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll be up there playing Message in a Bottle. That sounds like <laughs> an absolute banger. Or something that sounds very similar to it, so Sting doesn't sue us. And has oh, yeah. no rights issues. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. What um, about you? What's, what's on your radar? Um, for me, one, probably the one thing that, that, that struck me um, was Roger Federer announcing his retirement. Mm. Um, you know, my family are big tennis fans. I used to be a big tennis fan. I've kind of dip in and out these days, I think. But, um, but Federer is obviously, you know, a, a superlative and once, I'd say, <laughs> I was going to say once in a generation um, tennis player, but I suppose there have been three in the generation with yeah, exactly. him, Joe, uh, Novak Djokovic and, and Rafa Nadal. But I don't know. He's always been that kind of constant stay. And, you know, he's pushing 41 years old. And you, you just, I don't know. We always, like the Queen, we always knew it was coming. Mm. But we weren't ready for it to happen. Yeah. Um, and I've interviewed Roger of my career a couple of times. And he's just, he's everything that you know and have read. You know, he's, he's sweet, courteous, kind, helpful, always, you know, happy for an interview or to give a good quote. Mm. Um, he's an absolute class act. Um, you know, on the field, off the field, uh, on I suppose court, on the court, off the court, maybe in court if he's ever been in in like you know litigious trouble, which we probably will be after this. Um, and yeah, so I know that he's announced that he will retire after the Labour Cup, and the Labour Cup is coming mm. up this week. Right. Um, I think it starts the twenty third of September, so it will be one of those uh, deeply bittersweet moments, um, especially if he loses. But, you know, <laughs> someone like Roger is an eternal champion. 20 Grand Slams, I think it is. Didn't yeah. Serena, Serena Williams recently retired as well, no? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah two US tennis team. icons in, you know, in space of a month. Yeah, yeah and like in, in Formula One, you've got Sebastian Vettel who just retired. So, like, you've got all these, like, legendary, like, it's like an era ending, like, formally. Like, everyone sure. who's, like, I guess our age <laughs> is now, like, aging out of these sports. And now it's like this. I'm excited, actually. It's also exciting to see, like, who's the new generation. This is like um, Nick Kyrgios, mm. uh, you know, who I didn't know before like this last Wimbledon because right. I don't follow tennis very closely. And I was like, oh, this guy's wearing a Dennis Rodman T-shirt at his news conference. Yeah, changing out of the and Wimbledon <laughs> whites to put on the, the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, red. I was like, uh, you know, he's like very on the nose. Like mm. I am the Dennis Rodman of tennis, basically saying. But, um, but I don't know, it's exciting. It's like new blood, fresh blood. Yeah, 100%, you know, as, as the passing of the, 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 the torches. I think it's, it's funny, my mum is a huge tennis fan, um, uh, you know, literally watches every tournament every day kind of thing, um, especially of the tournaments here in Dubai and Abu Dhabi mm. um, when she used to live here. Uh, and it was, can't, she can't stand Nick Kyrgios. Uh, and I'm there just being like... <laughs> he's definitely divisive. It, yeah, and I'm just there being like, he's just entertainment, isn't it? Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that you can understand why it's popular to watch. Um, and also, you know, he, he kind of, you know, almost spits in the face, maybe even literally, literally. In, in the tradition of, of the kind of stiff upper lip tradition of, a, yeah. of Wimbledon and, and lawn tennis. But um, I don't know, I think it's a, it's a good time to be a sports fan.
And talk- a sad time to be a sportsman. Do we actually talk about shoes in this section? <laughs> we have shoes in the title. Are we talking about shoes? I mean, you know, it's a thing. You know, <laughs> if you want to talk about shoes, we can talk about shoes. I mean, You've I, got I like you- your Adidas. There, I just, know. I just bought a. I've got a fresh pair of Stan Smiths. Yeah, but you were speaking saying, of tennis. But you, there you, go. you, you were saying you struggled with. Um, actually, here's a question for you, Alex, uh, of the younger generation, not in a, in a yeah. you know, uh, from from Nazri and myself. Stan Smith to you, who? What does that name mean to you? Zero. I, I just. Uh, no, 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 fair question. I, I'm one of the rare people that I'm one of the rare people that's not really a, uh, you know, a shoe fanatic. I'm like, if it, if it looks great, I'll wear it. But it's not like the brand itself doesn't pull me in. It's really just more of, um, do I like the look? And that's the same with all fashion for me. It's the look, not the brand or name, so to speak. Sure, sure, sure. So I will blow your mind right now and tell you that Stan Smith, and obviously the famous Adidas shoe silhouette, he's actually an old tennis player. Um, from the 60s and 70s, um, doubles tennis player, uh, American guy, came over here once at um, Sol DXB, Adidas flew him out and hosted some events and talks, super good guy, got to spend an afternoon with him, but it's that element of like, it's become such an iconic shoe that almost replaces, you know, people still are, he always says that people think I'm a shoe. Um, as opposed to his the, all the kind of uh, accolades that he received in his uh, in his sporting days, um, and a hell of a good uh, skateboarder, by the way. For, you know, for yeah, there's actually an Esquire article that's called "The Man Who Became a Shoe" about Stan Smith. I mean, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Couldn't be more on brand. Sneak folks. that one in. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, anything else of pressing. What's come across your desk this week? I mean, there's the flying. There's the world unveiled a flying bike at um, the Detroit Auto Show last week. And we always talk about um, flying cars and flying vehicles being the future. And uh, it's always typically, you know, a test flight or a test drive. But you can actually go and buy these. You can buy a flying bike now and it'll ship to you next year. And it just makes me think as much as I myself am excited for, you know, future technology and all that sort of stuff. we have to rewrite how r- the road and traffic work. I forgot I mean, to mention the price of the bike. Oh, yeah, the price of the bike. Well, it, right now it's not very affordable. It's $770,000. Yeah, well, speak for yourself, mate. Uh, you know, I've got a spare $740,000 uh, in my bank. Just waiting to be spent on a Hold bike. on, Alex. Alex. Bury the lead, man. What, what we're talking about, like, you know, the Queen and Roger Federer. You're telling me that they're inventing, they're inventing flying bikes. That's a uh, lead with that. That's awesome news. Yeah, I mean, it's... It blew my mind as well to see it, and it's uh, basically you can or- you can order them in th- three different colors, like red, blue, and black, and it's just um, it, it just it made me think that when we do into you know have these on the road or above the road above the road road, it will like you'd have to rewrite traffic in the sense like would they need like above and below indicators if they're changing lane um (laughs) what's lane control like what direction do you go in like we have we've established like traffic systems and how so how does the right of way change when the way now is above and below so it just there's so much to think about yeah i think um i think a lot of people think about flying cars as um like the Jetsons that exactly. will be flying yeah. above above buildings, uh, probably more realistically, it'll be hovering slightly above ground. But that could help in terms of petrol usage, less traction and and drag, uh, you know, elements like that. But I, I I can't imagine we'll be, you know, up there with the birds in the clouds. Uh, I could be completely wrong. I mean, honestly, some days I think we don't know how to drive these like cars we've had for a hundred years. <laughs> we struggle with. So I'm like, I mean, let's. 
this is like I have the same feeling when I watch these like Boston Dynamics videos of like these robots dancing. Mm. Like, is this really a future we want? I don't <laughs> want robots being this good at dancing. At you what know? point did humans just go? <laughs> we're not good enough at dancing. <laughs> we're just not good enough. I need at this it. robot to do a shimmy for me. Yeah. But then, if you think about it, we always talk about oh, when roads are getting congested, we suddenly add a new highway or motorway to make more room for traffic and things. And um, basically, we just. How are we, when we, if, if we were going to add flying cars, we would have you know traffic in the air above us in the clouds, and then traffic on the ground below. We'd have so much more less congestion. So there's all other things you can think about when it comes to um, flying cars. Yeah. So now on, on Sheikh Zayed Road, you can be stuck in traffic like on tarmac and above tarmac. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. From, from off the top of your guys' head, how long do you give it till this is a this is a thing? Uh, flying flying bikes, cars, flying, flying cars. bikes. Give me an approximation in years. Never going to happen. Well, I would say the, the vehicle itself obviously is coming out next year and in a couple of years, but everyone having it, if we haven't even got everyone having electric cars yet, I don't think um, it'll be 30 years if we were going to have everyone going to have it. You see, now this guy, he's got the, Visionary. the, the ambition of youth. <laughs> You're like, never going to happen. Never. never gonna, not in my <laughs> lifetime, son. But uh, mind you, our lifetimes are probably going to be shorter than, uh, <laughs> than, than Alex's. Alex's so, but uh, then if you think about it, the people who were riding horse-drawn carriages back in the day, they didn't think we'd have, you know, <laughs> they didn't think of Dubai, did they? You know, so, you know, you got to have some vision, don't you? I love an Alex rant. I love yeah, this. Yeah, you gotta have some no, I'm into it. I'm into it. Sitting on their carriages, not thinking about Dubai. Yeah. No, I'm into it. That, that's what people say about space and Mars. So, you know, they've sure. always got to give our customer well, your own I'm a Luddite. So. <laughs> yeah, give me a pen and a paper. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, that's, uh, that's all the news, views, and shoes for this week. So our next section is a, is a bit more of a deep dive, um, what we like to kind of shoot the breeze in section one. Uh, you guys will get more used to this as we, you guys as listeners and us producing it, will get more used to it as we roll on. Um, this is a bit more of a deep dive into something that the team have been investigating or experiencing uh, over the past week. Um, and I believe this week uh, into the into the frying pan is old, uh, is Nasri Atala with a... You were recently uh, in Milan for for quite a for quite an interesting little uh, bit of news. I was I was in Maranello actually. I was I went to um, see the unveiling of the new Ferrari Puro Sangue, which I believe is how you have to say it. You have to say it like dramatically like that. Uh, <laughs> and Puro Sangue <laughs> means uh, what does that mean? It means thoroughbred. There you go. And they did joke that we would have a like in the press conference. They joked that we'd be tested on our pronunciation on the way out, <laughs> which they never did because they're Italian. They forgot to do it, but. Uh, <laughs> But the, yeah, no, it's a very special moment, actually, because I'm obviously car fanatic. Sure. Even though I don't Our think, resident car fanatic. Yeah, I don't think they should fly, but I do think cars <laughs> are amazing. Um, so, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to, like, fly out there, be one of the first people to ever see this, this new car. It's the first four-seater, four-door car in Ferrari's 75-year history. A lot of people say, like, oh, Enzo's rolling over, you know, Enzo Ferrari, founder of... Uh, the this legendary brand like he's rolling over in his grave and all of this but actually what i found out when i was there is that he'd made prototypes for four-door cars 40 50 years ago really and yeah and the only reason they never made it to production was because they couldn't pair like that like body size with performance and so now with where technology is today in 2022 they finally found a way i mean obviously this is the brand talking but i do kind of 
believe them when they say that that you know this was something he always wanted because one of the first cars you, and you see it at the um, one of the, I went to a few museums there and and one of them there's a Maserati that he actually designed which is like a four door car so he, it, it is something that was in his uh, kind of vision for the brand sure and so it was really interesting to see it like come to life and be there it was unveiled in gray which I would, would controversial. say controversial well actually that's someone actually asked like why this color which mm. I think they meant. It's not the best color, uh, but I think what what was the the answer was that GTs, uh, so Grand Touring cars, are generally revealed in gray by Ferrari, which actually tells you a lot about what this car is because people are calling it an SUV and stuff. And having seen it and sat in it, I can guarantee you it's not an SUV. Sure, like, okay. It's it's you know it's just like a very I was gonna say like practical uh, four door car. I mean it does cost like four hundred thousand euros. So it's uh, again like I love how we're like you know talking about very affordable, like a, affordable vehicles. Yeah, exactly. like a, a million dirhams. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Sure. Um, uh, that's if you can even get one because like the waiting list is super long. They pre-sold them to existing Ferrari customers without them even seeing it. So all they had was a name mm-hmm. and that it would be four doors. And people were like, sure, sign me up, which is, you know, I mean, what a, <laughs> that's kind of crazy to me. But, you know, I guess if you've got 400,000 euros lying around, that's the kind of thing you can do. It, it begs the question that is anything really luxury if you're not on a waiting list? I know, right? You know, you can't buy anything these days. Watches, cars, handbags. New iPhones. New iPhones. <laughs> every, and every, it's, everything's and a waiting list. It's funny because they kept saying like, you know, like we really hate that we have to put people on a waiting list. No. I'm like, sure you do. No. <laughs> no. Uh, but, but, you know, like they, it is, once you, when you're in Maranello, it's very, because I grew up loving Ferraris. I, mean, I grew up loving all kinds of cars, but like Ferraris were one of them, especially in the Ferrari Lamborghini debate. Like I'm on the Ferrari side. And, um, when you're in Maranello, it's like it's like what you call like a company town in the sense that uh, Enzo Ferrari was born in Modena and like set up in Modena. His father used to have a garage there, and but during the Second World War, like Modena because it has some industry was being bombed pretty heavily. So he moved everything out to Maranello, which was like literally a little farming town. Like there was nothing in Maranello, mm. and now when you're in Maranello, it's purely Ferrari town. Like sure. there's people test driving Ferraris, there's people in Ferrari T-shirts, there's the museum. Everything, even the restaurants, obviously, like live off the back of people coming to the museum, then grabbing a bite to eat, and they're all called things like pit stop and you know, like and uh, you know, like that kind of thing. And so it is interesting to see like that kind of thing, like a company town, like a town entirely built around like one company, and like the sense of pride they have about it. And you know, it's it's kind of and even when you're at the factory, obviously, like not everyone's driving a Ferrari to work. Like Mm. there's a lot of it's all Alfa Romeos and stuff. But yeah, there is like that pedigree like in the region of all these car makers and it, it feels special when you're there as sure. a car fanatic especially sure i mean when you're um you know the 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 rumblings online and everything were like ferrari releases suv mm. um immediately everyone kind of thinks to something like the lamborghini urus yeah um which you know if you're in dubai like we are you know you you're, you're unlikely to go on a road and not see one at the moment yeah. again a million dirham car a nine hundred thousand dirham car um, sells like hotcakes. Probably sells more than they can uh, they make. Is that a fair assumption from what you've seen? Is the communication on that a little bit hyperbolic? Are people just going, we want to say a Ferrari SUV, but as you said, really it's it's more of a, a touring car, or or what is it? I think people love a bit of competition. People love a rivalry. So, you know, 
did you like the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Blur Oasis. You know, people love a divide. Sure. Al Hilal, Al Etihad. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you can tell I'm a huge sports fan. Like I'm going <laughs> to bring any sports analogies up, but um, yeah, I think I don't think it's. I mean, I don't think the person buying this car, or even forget buying, like dreaming of this car, or like thinking this car is beautiful, is the same person who thinks a Lamborghini Urus is beautiful. Like I think they're two different categories of people. Um, they're very different cars. This one's actually more expensive, I think, as well. Um, and they just like they don't feel the same. Like when you're standing looking at one, I don't know. Drive. I haven't. They didn't let me drive it, so I can't tell you. Either one. No one's ever let me drive their Urus either. Uh, but uh, I would say like they're they're in distinct category. I mean, Ferrari keeps saying obviously like they would say this, but they keep saying like we're in a brand in a category of our own. Mm. But I think it's just like a nice big GT. So basically, it's. For, and actually, customers apparently asked for it. So a customer said, like, you need to make a four-door car because I want to take my friends, you know, when I'm driving my Ferrari, I want to take my friends out to the countryside or mm. something like that. Um, so, yeah. I mean, but I suppose there's a wider discussion in here. It might not be the right form to do it now, but it's the discussion of, like, do, do you believe as a car guy, like, do you mm. believe that brands and, and you know, uh, do they need, like, an option in all segments. So mm-hmm. it took me a while to spit that one out. <laughs> but like, you know, does, if I wanted to buy a Porsche, for example, I don't know cars that well. I drive and, I, you know, I've driven mm-hmm. some very nice cars in my time. But like, if I'm going to buy a Porsche, I'd like to believe it's a 911. Mm. Uh, you know, it's that kind of classic, like, absolutely, that's what it's there for. It's the number one seller. It's the m- most iconic one. Um that like if it's if I'm buying a Volkswagen, it, I want to buy a Golf. Like I just mm-hmm. you know these are what they're famous for. Do you think like I don't? Is there a thing where like do people need a Ferrari or don't people just want to buy a Ferrari that goes super fast with only one seat next to it? Well, the thing is, this goes super fast. So that's the other thing is they put a V12 in it. So like the naturally aspirated V12, which is the legendary Ferrari engine. So it does have that aspect, and they've the way they've designed the seats is each person is sitting like in a kind of like sports bucket seat. So Everyone feels like they're in a driving position, mm. even though, I mean, you're not, obviously not. If you're in the back right, you're not in a driving position. But, um, but I do think, I think, like, you know, they have there from a car maker perspective, they have to make money, they have to grow market share, all that boring stuff, mm. which as a car enthusiast is not necessarily what you're looking at. So, like, for example, like, I think cars are very, again, most people think, don't think this way, but I think cars are like very important, like, extension of your character. Sure. If okay. you do love them. And like honestly, when I came to Dubai, like one of the first things I was saying is like, "What am I going to drive in Dubai?" Sure. Uh, my wife has categorically said no to a pickup truck, which <laughs> which was my. I was like, "I'm getting a Ford F-150." She's like, "No, what would you put in the back?" Uh, like, very practical. There is nowhere to park. I'm like, "But you don't need to put anything in the back. It's just a cool pickup truck." And anyway, so I ended up with a Abarth. 595, which is basically like the sports version of the Fiat 500, which is literally the opposite of a Ford F-150. I mean, and you're a big man in a small car. I am, yeah. I look a bit silly. I do see people like staring at me sometimes <laughs> when I'm driving by. You, you seem like a man of extremes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It didn't take you long to figure that one out. Yeah, exactly. But no, but honestly, in a way, it was like, okay, I'm in this new city. Do I want to do everything? You know, it's a city like obviously like the dominant cars like the Nissan Patrol, mm-hmm. the Land Cruiser. You know, these big four by fours. They're designed for this climate and for going out into the desert, and people just like them in this in the whole region. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some counter programming here, and I'm just going to go like completely opposite of what I thought I would do, even. And you know, and someone actually will, our colleague, like he said, he said, you know, looking at the car, he's like, 
tell me you just moved from Europe without telling me you just moved from Europe and just pointed at my little toy car. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, with the faster engine on the straight roads. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Well, awesome, man. Um, but where can we find uh, more information about uh, that, uh, the Pura Sangue? So I've, I've written about it, so it's up on the site, and you can read about it in our uh, October issue. And by the site, you mean EsquireME.com? Yes. There you go. <laughs> Jackpot. Uh, cool. Right, guys. Uh, so now we're on to the uh, let's go to the let's go to the final, but n- not by least uh, important section of the uh, of, of the show. Um, I like to call it strong opinions, loosely held. Love now, it. anyone who does know me, I'm a man of very fiery opinions, uh, but ultimately, I'm always willing to be talked out of them if I believe and kind of. I understand your argument, and if you have a point to prove. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you today, um, and I'm going to say that I believe that curly fries are the best form of potato. Agreed. Wrong. Incorrect. Okay. There you go. Done. Cool. You see? Well, lovely to see you guys. (laughs) I I concede. I concede. No, fundamentally, I think this is the case. I think that any other type of potato that you order is disappointing. I believe the the curly fry has the optimum amount of crisp. Uh, It's incredibly Moorish, much more so than the French fry, um, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, chip, I think they call it in the States, um, yeah. and here. Um, but I do believe that it, the, every time I have one is a bit of a treat, and my day is, it, it picks up more and more. So uh, you could try convince me otherwise, but it'll be a tough one. Alex, you're in agreement. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've just thought... If I ever presented with the choice of regular fries or curly fries, I just I always go with curly fries. I think one the aesthetic it just, just it's different, and that just pulls me in. Sure. What about the baked potato? Maybe the uh, the mashed potato. Baked potato, mashed potato. It depends what I'm having. I mean, like jack potato is obviously the baked one, but then. But are they better than the curly fry? That's no, the no, point. no, no. The cur- curly fry is number one. Then the regular, I would rank it, and then. Probably love a ranking. Let's yeah, love it. a ranking. Then what's what's third? Oh, baked. But then probably then probably mashed, just quicker to eat, easier to eat, and then baked would be last for okay. sure. You know what? This uh, this does call for a, a, a thing on our website about a ranking of potatoes. Yeah. Um, Let's so, do it. Potatoes. As soon as we're out of here. Yeah, and, then, and now you're Alex, in, you're and now you're in great favor. Yeah. Now you're in great favor, Alex. You can be bestowed upon this wonderful article. Nasri, you're shaking your head. No, I'm wrong. just I'm in disbelief. I can't even speak. To so what, what, what's your beef? What's, oh, no, that's not the right word. What's your, <laughs> what's your issue? What's your spud? With, yeah. yeah, what's, what's your, your spud, spud with the potato? The curly fry looks like it should be on top of a screwdriver or something. It looks like part of a tool, like a drill bit. You know, it doesn't look like a food stuff. So it doesn't look edible, that's, it. that's what you're saying. Done. Looks too man-made. It looks, it, and it's just like, you know, I want my fry to be full. This fry is full of gaps. Okay, okay. <laughs> so it's not, not, uh, not accurate use. Not, not, an, um, not an optimal use of the potato. Sure. Okay. How did it get curly? So where, where are you? You, you sound like a, like a full-on, like, jack of potato kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a chunky chip. You know, like potato wedge. Like a wedge guy. I'm a wedge guy. Oh, see, see, if I had a sixth option, issues, that would be the that be the bottom option, wedge. That's my least favorite. Just, yeah. just something about it. I don't know. No, you got to see. I need more from you there, Alex. You can't just be like, "There's something I don't know." Like the wedge. The wedge is too hot in the middle. Yes. The, the temperature changes as you go in. It's hot in the middle and cold on the outside. It's mm-hmm. not consistent with its temperatures. It's too thick. 
Um, yeah, and it's like when you're having a meal. It's, it's, a, it's an absolute disaster to eat in terms of consistency. Um, the, uh, the, you're forced to flavor the outside as well because it's just it's too kind of dense. It's just Mayonnaise, a pure slice of vinegar. Yeah, but you see. You. Can you dip wedges into like ice cream? Like, people have this thing about fr- dipping what? your French fries into your ice cream. And I've never got onto it, but like. Who are these psychopaths? But, <laughs> but, like, but like French fries, you can just have, like, you know, while you're watching TV. Who sits there and just has, like, you know, you know, bunch of wedges and just has, you know, watches the football or whatever? It's just, just not done. <laughs> Tell us what you really think. Yeah, guys. I mean, I, I'm honest with you here. Like, the, the ice cream thing, this sounds like some kind of millennial garbage. It is. I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not a fan of like it. I just pointed trend. out that this is yeah. a thing. This Gen is, Z chip. Ice cream combo. Hey, I could be wrong. I'm I, honestly, I think compromise the French fry. Everyone's happy with the French fry. French fry, yes. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't, don't think you've you've made the the compelling case enough. Um, as long as we've agreed that it's not like a boiled potato. Yeah, no, no, no time no, no, for that. No, no. absolutely no, no. bottom of the ranking system. Mashed potato probably is for me is number two. And you know what? In terms of dunking, I have been known previously to take a. Fry, French fry mm-hmm. from KFC and other, you know, fast food outlets are, are available. available. Um, <laughs> and dip it in the just unmatchable KFC mash. So that's potato dipped in potato straight in the gulf. Mm. What happened to French fries and ketchup? I you know? hate Simpl- ketchup. I'm Sim- one of the what? rare few. I hate ketchup. That's another segment. Things. We'll keep that's, that for another week. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll bring that for strong Condiment break the, yeah, yeah. rankings. Uh, listen, I don't think it's a, it's a case where we will probably ever come to agreements on these things. Yes. Uh, I still believe that my opinion remains. Uh, you say potato. But, but say let's, uh, we'll throw it out to, to the users, the listeners, the audience. Uh, tweet us. Uh, uh, contact us if uh, your preference of potato. Are we completely off the mark? Are we bang on? I mean, I am. I am, yeah. yeah <laughs> um, so, yeah, hit us up. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter. You can hit us up on Instagram. You can hit us uh, up on email uh, via our website, esquireme.com. Uh, do you guys want to get your plugs in before we... Uh, before we go out, now, Siri, uh, Alex, where can people find you, follow you? Um? Well, you can find me on Instagram at Alex Bridal. So... B-R-I-D-L-E, not bridal shower, as in bridal, as in the horse's bridal. Yeah. This is a thing I have to not regularly a, correct people on. Not a beautiful bride. <laughs> no, not a beautiful bride, no. No. But beautiful in your own way. Yes, exactly. But uh, So I'm uh, at, at Nazri Atala, N-A-S-R-I-A-T-A-L-L-A-H, on Twitter on. and everywhere, I guess. And also, I really want some fries now, to be honest. Right. I mean, it's nearly lunchtime on, where we on are. that note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, look, I've been Matthew Baxter Priest. I'm at at Mr. Pika, M-R-P-E-A-K-E-R. Um, hit us up. Uh, let us know your comments on um, how you think the show went, if you like the new format, if you know who your favorite of us three is. Uh, and we'll be back every week. Uh, hoping to kind of give you a cleaner edit on the edit.